This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the war in Ukraine, Putin's war, as it is rightly known, continues to escalate. And yesterday, Russia's defense minister spoke to his counterparts in Europe, in Britain and the United States. And he told them that the war in Ukraine is heading for, and I quote, an uncontrolled escalation. The Russians are also spreading the rumor that Ukraine is preparing to use what's known as a dirty bomb, which is a mixture of conventional explosives with nuclear waste in it. This, of course, has been described by NATO's General Secretary Jens Stoltenberg as an absurd claim, but it shows the way things are going and Ukraine continues to have success in the conventional warfare. However, the Russians have a new general, Sorofakin, General Sorofakin, known as General Armageddon. He was the man who leveled Syria, Aleppo being a terrible example of what he did, and also leveled Chechnya. Putin has called him in in the last few weeks, and the results of that are clear by serious attacks on Ukrainian infrastructure to do with energy and other strategic infrastructure. To discuss the course of the war at this moment now, it's a pleasure to welcome Tom Clonan, Senator Tom Clonan, Senator for Trinity College, recently elected. Tom is an experienced military analyst, and he was uh, commanding Irish troops under the United Nations force in the Lebanon uh, at a time when there was terrible violence there, and he witnessed the Israeli operation, which is known as Grapes of Wrath, against Hezbollah, uh, which culminated in a massacre of refugees in April 1996. So he knows the dirty face of war. He also did an investigation into the treatment of women in particular in the Irish Armed Forces, which led to great changes. Tom found discrimination, and he did it as part of a thesis for DCU. Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Let's dispense, if we can, with this idea the Russians are putting around in the last few days 
that Ukraine is preparing to unleash a dirty bomb in what Russia calls a false flag operation. That is something that could be blamed on Russia. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Because they'd be doing it on a battlefield where their own troops are winning. Yes, it's a very sinister development, though, Eamon. It's significant that the person making the allegations is uh, General uh, Sergei Shoigu, who's the, the Russian, uh, basically, he's the equivalent of the Minister for Defence, so he's the top guy. <clears throat> and in, in the history of false flag operations, and they tend to be cloaked in secrecy. There's a lot of ambiguity. They happen at a local or low level. But this allegation is coming from the very top, and it's been made very, very publicly. And the Russians communicated directly to the uh, UK Defence Secretary, Ben Wallace, to Lloyd Austin, the US Defence Secretary, um, person to person in, in what have become very, very infrequent telephone calls since the beginning of this conflict. And and so the, the, they've made a very specific allegation. They, the, the Russians have said that the Kiev Institute for Nuclear Research has been working on the harvesting of radioactive materials. This would be low-grade plutonium or uranium to be wrapped around a conventional military device and detonated as a radioactive dirty bomb. And that is um, a signal um, to the Western intelligence community. Their assessment of this allegation is that it's a signal that Russia, uh, rather Putin, may be contemplating the use of such a device himself. Yes, and there's the other and perhaps much more significant development in this uh, war of Putin's is his appointment of General uh, Sorofakin, who was the person in charge of their assault on Syria, on Aleppo in particular, but on Syria, which they more or less leveled and hit hospitals and other uh, civilian infrastructure. They, he was also in charge of Chechnya when they leveled uh, much of Chechnya, when Chechnya and the, uh, the, the Russians were engaged in conflict. He's a serious operator and is known for his efficiency and we have seen, haven't we, Tom, in the last ten week, 10 days, uh, serious attacks on Ukrainian infrastructure, that is, energy plants, uh, lights out, and also a threat to a dam, which I think that it's on the Dnipro River, which, were it to be blown up, would cause the most horrendous disaster in Ukraine. Yeah, so the, it, this is a very interesting set of developments. Um Sergei Surovikin, General Armageddon, was responsible for a number of atrocities in Syria, most notably in 2017, five years ago, the use of sarin, uh, a chemical weapon. It, yes. It's a, it's a nerve agent. Now, it was used by President Assad's troops on the ground um, in a place called Khan Shaykhun in Syria. But it shows, but that operation was supported and given air support and air cover by uh, Sorovikin's uh, assets there. <clears throat> he also developed a very close working relationship with the Iranians, and uh, because the Iranians allowed Russia to use their airspace um, to, you know, fly their Su-34 fighter bombers down into Syria proper, and also to allow them to refuel. 
um, in Iran. And so it's interesting that since Surovikin has taken over, um, they have used hundreds of Iranian drones, Iranian drone strikes. These are these what they call yes. kamikaze drones, and they're they're quite a cheap and primitive piece of uh, technology. They carry a warhead of approximately 50 kilograms of high explosives. Just to put that in context, Eamon, um, if you, during the Troubles, uh, groups like the Provisional IRA for a car bomb, they'd use a piece of high explosives, a piece of Semtex, about the size of a cigarette packet. Yes. And that would destroy a vehicle to the extent that you wouldn't even be able to recognize what make it was after the detonation. So you can imagine the explosive impact of 50 kilograms of high explosives. You know, when these drones go down into areas like downtown Kiev and so and so on, and they're not a particularly accurate um, weapon. They're a bit like the, to, to a certain extent, a bit like the V2. You remember the, the doodlebugs during the yes. World War II when the Germans fired these in the last ditch desperate effort against London to try and terrorize the people. So they're weapons of terror. But as you say, in the last nine days, as we speak, Surovikin has destroyed 30%, 30% of uh, Ukraine's uh, um, electri electricity grid infrastructure, power generation and, and power distribution. So that's a very, very serious impact. And I think the use of these drones, the use of airstrikes, the targeting of the infrastructure is an echo of what the Russians did in Syria. Yes. But it also tells another story. Surovikin did not command troops on the ground in Syria yes. to any great extent. It was Assad's Syrian Arab National Army, Sana. They did the fighting on the ground. And it, it, it still appears to be the case that Putin's forces have not been able to change the facts on the ground. So they've resorted to this wider terror campaign. And that's why they're threatening and the detonation of, of mines on this dam, which is 60 kilometers approximately north of, of Kherson. And the Ukrainian general, uh, Major General Kirillo uh, Budanov, has confirmed that the Russians have put a necklace of heavy mines around it. But it's unclear as to whether or not they will actually detonate it. And really what's happening here, Eamon, and this is why they're talking about a radioactive dirty bomb, the, the battle for Kherson, as we speak, is on. That is, this is going to be a very, very significant battle. The Ukrainians are going to throw everything at it. And if the Ukrainians take Kherson, which originally had a population of almost a quarter of a million people, that is the gateway to Crimea. It yes. is, it is the gateway to cutting off the land corridor between Russia proper and Crimea, and it allows them to go and extend their offensive down into Crimea. And tellingly, uh, Zelensky said a number of weeks ago, this conflict began and will end in Crimea. So their battle aims, the Ukrainian battle aims, are very, very ambitious. And Russia thus far is not in a position to stop them. So this is why they might try to destroy uh, access to um, Kherson by, uh, you know, blowing up the dam and flooding the Dnipro Delta, or as a last-ditch attempt, they might try to contaminate the centre of Kherson with yes. a radioactive dirty bomb and claim that um, that the the Ukrainians did it to themselves. Yes, and we should point out if anyone doesn't know 
that Crimea was annexed by Russia uh, in 2014 and was regarded really as a done deal. And at most points in this um, war so far wasn't regarded, I don't think, uh, Tom, as a target for Zelensky's troops. But they are more confident. They're winning battles. It looks like they could, it is said that they could take Kherson, Kherson, uh, which is, as you say, strategically huge. And it's, it's a, it's a big city anyway. Yeah. It's a, and it, it, not just strategically important, but it also would have a huge, uh, psychological or propaganda yes. impact on Putin. Because if they take Kherson if the, and the Ukrainians are, are, are certainly, on the outskirts and pushing Russian forces back. A, a lot of Russian forces have withdrawn from positions on that side of the Dnipro River to the north. Now, the Ukrainians say uh, a number of things. Again, this uh, Major General Kirilo Budanov is saying that Putin's forces are using the evacuation of civilians from Kherson as a screen or cover to allow them to reinforce the city and that um, Russian troops, whilst withdrawing from other positions um, north of Kherson, are actually being funneled in to reinforce uh, their positions in Kherson uh, in order to have this last-ditch epic battle. You know, this is going to be Putin's uh, Stalingrad, as it were, in, yes. in, in this war. And, and that's why, again, pe people... Uh, the, the specter of a low-yield tactical nuclear weapon, we've spoken about that um, quite frequently, the, 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 the rhetoric around the threat of the use of a, of a tactical or low-yield nuclear weapon has increased lately, but this has now been replaced by the idea of a radioactive dirty bomb. And just to explain to the listeners that a radioactive dirty bomb is, is not a conventional nuclear weapon with a nuclear chain reaction. For that, you need plutonium or uranium that is refined to up to 90% or even higher purity for that uh, detonation and thermonuclear effect to take place. A radioactive dirty bomb is where you gather radioactive material and it's common in medicine, in industry, but also as a byproduct of uh, nuclear power generation. And you, what, what you would do is you would, you would t get as much of that material as you could and possibly in an in an artillery barrage, you would fire large shells with with these contaminated warheads into a concentrated area of a city centre. And what yes. that would do is, it would deny the enemy um, ground. It would contaminate yes. a large like area of downtown um, city centre. People couldn't live there, commerce couldn't be carried out, troops couldn't remain there, and troops couldn't advance or withdraw through it. And this might be, I suppose, in terms of a concept of operations, a last-ditch way of denying um, the Ukrainians the, 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 the kind of unambiguous victory that they would like uh, to achieve before winter. How would it be regarded by NATO? How would it be regarded by the rest of the world? in terms of a breach of the norms. The United States, for example, have said that any use of nuclear weapons, and you've made clear the distinction between a dirty bomb and a nuclear weapon. Nevertheless, is a, dirt, is a dirty bomb 
a breach of what we might call battlefield convention. Oh yeah, it's it's a weapon of mass destruction. It's would it require a response? Could the West and the forces that are fighting or supporting Ukraine in this fight could they let it pass? No, they wouldn't. And in fact, um, NATO and the United States have actually had to contemplate radioactive dirty bombs in in the not too distant past. So in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, if you recall, that that term WMDs entered the public vocabulary. Weapons of mass destruction. And that includes the full spectrum of nuclear, radioactive, biological and chemical. So there was a concern that groups like Al-Qaeda were trying to, um, if you like, harvest as much um, radioactive material as they could to detonate a radioactive dirty bomb, an improvised explosive device, if you like, in downtown Manhattan or in the city in London to create a huge international uh, crisis where, you know, the the, the centre of one of the world's leading uh, cities would be rendered, you know, uninhabitable uh, and contaminated beyond, beyond use. So they have considered this. So it's very, very clear that the use of chemical weapons, for example, sarin in Khan Shaikhun, um, these are considered indiscriminate weapons of mass destruction that don't discriminate between uh, civilians and combatants, that don't discriminate between civilian and military objects such as hospitals or military positions. So they're, they're, they're weapons of last resort. And if they were to be used in this, in this manner, in an elective manner, then I think it's quite clear that NATO would respond uh, and would respond very, very quickly because it would create uh, a precedent that would you know, would have to yes. be dealt with. I mean, you you just could not. I I would imagine that if this were to pass, that the response would be not dissimilar to the response from NATO if a if a low yield tactical nuclear weapon were used. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, you did say when I first mentioned it, and it's, it's the latest news we have from Ukraine, that this talk of a dirty bomb, this attempt by the Russians to attribute the use of it to Ukraine is dangerous because much of the time what the Russians speculate about is a precursor to them actually using uh, this weapon. When Serofikin, General Armageddon, when he considers this, obviously he's a, a soldier rather than a politician, but when Putin considers using this, what is he contemplating in terms of consequence for him, for Russia? Can they be, for example, as a permanent member of the United Nations Security Council with a veto on everything the UN does? And interestingly, Ireland has a seat uh, for the next uh, couple of years on the Security Council. Can Russia remain part of the nations of the world, what we like to think of as the civilized world, were they to use a weapon of this description? If Putin uses um, a weapon of mass destruction against a neighbor um, as a sequel to an unprovoked act of aggression, you know, the invasion in February, then I think Russia is is definitely out in the cold. And But a lot depends if such a weapon were used on the execution. So, again, just to try and put this in context, any any use of a weapon of mass destruction leaves a footprint. Yes. Uh, for example, the use of Novichok. Novichok is the Russian word for newcomer. So it was a new variant of an older nerve agent that was used, uh, actually used in, 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 in Britain against uh, a former KGB agent and, and his family. Um, so that left an unmistakable footprint. The only two countries that have access to Novichok are Russia and Iran. Iran right. reverse engineered uh, a kind of a copy of Novichok. To use a chemical weapon, for example, in a place like downtown Kherson, would, if you imagine a Kalar gas cylinder of gas, everybody be familiar with them from barbecues in the summer. You know, that's probably the maximum amount of nerve agent that you could deliver by conventional military means. And you can imagine, uh, Eamon, if you fire something of that size into downtown O'Connell Street, you know, most of it will dissipate uh, and just evaporate and go off up into the atmosphere. And in the immediate vicinity of it, of course, there'd be a risk. So in order to really use a chemical weapon like that, you would have to fire hundreds and hundreds of the equivalent of those gas canisters to generate a a cloud or a plume of of this material, droplets that are persistent to create a slick in an area. And and that type of military operation is almost, it's unmistakable. It requires a huge amount of investment in terms. And it's the same for a radioactive dirty bomb. If you wanted to, you know, deliver a sufficient quantity of contaminating uh, contaminant 
you would have to fire salvo after salvo after salvo of artillery or or short range missiles into into the, into a downtown area and it would it would have to be a downtown area not open ground for it to well for it to have any strategic value and so if russia far you know if it, if it was done poorly and i don't like using that word if you understand my context then it could be quite a minor um event uh, but it would signal to NATO the re- the readiness or the willingness of Putin to, to resort to weapons of mass destruction. But if they were to engage in a proper conventional build-up of contaminant by the use of such weapon systems, then it would actually be nearly worse than firing a low-yield tactical nuclear weapon because it, it, it would be an unmistakable uh, major effort on the part of Putin and his generals. And that would be a game-changer internationally. I think China... India, Pakistan, I think the entire world community would be horrified because of the precedent it created. Right. Iran is also in that alliance, as it were, that loose alliance. Now, Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, has said in response to this talk of a dirty bomb that if Russia calls and says that Ukraine is allegedly preparing something, it means one thing. Russia has already prepared all of this, Zelensky said. So, he continued, when today the Russian Minister for Defense organizes a phone call with foreign ministers of Western nations with stories about the so-called dirty nuclear bomb, everyone understands everything well. And the main thing they understand is that the source of everything dirty that can be imagined in this war in other words, the Russian atrocities against civilians and so on. It, it, it would be, Tom, would it, putting it up to NATO, testing the resolve, if you like, of the nations of the West that are supporting Ukraine. And in that sense, when one looks at the last, since February 24th, the last, what, eight months, that it is the Russians that have conducted the, the, the terms on which this war is fought almost. Uh, and just to go back to Syria and the use of chemical weapons there, it was uh, Barack Obama's red line at the time. He was president of the United States. They crossed that red line and Obama did nothing, which mm-hmm. was bad for the West's credibility. We're in that kind of space again, aren't we? We are. And but th- this is part of uh, Putin's um, psychological operations or psyops component of the war. Yeah. Like you'll notice that we're not talking about the three hundred thousand troops that he was supposed to send yes. to Ukraine. Like where are they? And uh, you know, so Putin thus far has been able to dictate the terms of this war to a certain extent, despite his failure to get to Kiev, despite his failure to take all of the the oblasts that have recently been declared part of Russia. Um, Much of that territory is in Ukrainian control. And he has not been able to stop the Ukrainian advance. So he cannot change the facts on the ground. And that's why he's talking. And that's why his generals are talking about a radioactive dirty bomb. Because if you're winning a war, if your 300,000 troops are halting and turning back the Ukrainian advance, then you don't need to even contemplate the use of such a weapon. This is, in a sense, what this reveals is the underlying weakness 
um, of Putin. But again, to go back to the, the quote attributed to, to Putin, you know, he, he describes as a teenager coming across a rat in, in one of the outhouses yes. and, and how the rat, when cornered, became very aggressive. He says that he said the same thing about dogs. And his thing is that imagine how a creature so small uh, can yes. become so so aggressive when when cornered, and I think that's that's the space that Putin finds him in. I mean, there's already talk now about a successor to Putin, Sergei Kirienko. Um, open talk in in Moscow and in the Kremlin of you know who comes next, and that's a new that's a new development. Yes, so I think the, the the broader mood music is beginning to change. I don't think. That um, our friend Sergei Sorovkin, um, General Armageddon, I don't think, based on his CV, that he's capable of taking on a highly motivated, well-organized conventional army such as the Ukrainians, especially when backed by NATO and backed by the West. This this entire operation, from start to finish, has been a miscalculation on Putin's part, on on basic intelligence levels. He he underestimated the Ukrainians. He underestimated. NATO, he underestimated the European Union because post-Brexit and post-Trump, he thought, this is yes. my moment. Just a final question about the winter approaching, Tom. In, if things stay roughly as they are, and if there is no dirty bomb, how will those five months, four or five months of bad weather affect the war and the conduct of the war by both sides? Does it mean there will be a pause and does that inclement weather really uh, demand a pause? When when Putin said he was going, when he announced his partial mobilization and announced that he was going to get 300,000 people into uniform for Ukraine, that gave the Ukrainian military a very clear window of opportunity to exploit their advances and press them home. And basically what Putin said unintentionally was giddy up. Yeah. And the Ukrainians must absolutely push forward and, and exploit to the limit their advances until the weather disimproves. And, and again, you know, the, 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 I think it was Bonaparte said that his favorite general was General Luck. Yeah. The weather, it's it's 20 degrees centigrade in Berlin, it's 20 degrees centigrade in Vienna, yes. and across Central Europe. They they have been, so it's a it's an Indian summer, we, winter has been, uh, is, is slow to come, but eventually, yeah, it, it will close close things down, it'll, it'll get to minus 20 degrees centigrade uh, in certain parts of the front, and that will have a, a an impact on operations. But... Russia, Putin has handed the initiative to the Ukrainian military time and time again. Um, and this, I suppose, rhetoric around a, a, a radioactive dirty bomb is, is a return to form for Russia. It's kind of a return to their deception plan, their psychological warfare, their maskarovka or masquerade in order to sow the seeds of doubt and generate fear and, ex and ex exert <clears throat> psychological pressure on the enemy. It's what it's what conventional military commanders call um, the moral battle. If you yes. can if you can instill fear in the enemy, that's a moral victory. Not even that you persuade them that you're right, but if you can make them afraid, that's a yes. moral victory. And the Ukrainians have the upper hand in that, you know, because of the motivation for Russian conscripts or reservists to fight in Ukraine. 
will be very, very low. Uh, whereas the um, the Ukrainian uh, desire to liberate parts of of, the, of their their homeland is is very strong. The, the initiative is with them. They're capable of kinetic operations. Putin isn't, so he's resorting to these terror tactics. You know, using drones to to strike at. Uh, energy infrastructure, threatening to yes. use as a weapon of mass destruction. They're not the tactics or the strategy of a of a country that's winning a war. Okay, just a one word answer. Do you think Putin will use a dirty bomb? I think he's capable of it. Okay, thank you very much, Tom. We're grateful to Tom Clonan, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.